Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. And the best part about podcasts is they create a 25th hour in the day. Whenever I'm commuting, metro, car, even when I'm riding my bike around town, although in that case, one earphone only, safety kids, I'm always listening to podcasts. And this offseason, you can get all the insights, all the news, all the analysis, and Logan and I occasionally make a joke or two in the Take Command podcast on demand so it fits in to your busy schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop, And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Take a Man podcast from Odyssey Sports. That's Logan Paulson. I'm Craig Hoffman. Coming out with us at Tap Sports Bar, MGM National Harbor. This Sunday, doors open at 11, but you can listen, of course, on your way over because the show starts at 10. The show, the Take Command pregame show, getting you ready for Commanders and Giants on 106.7 The Fan and the Team 980. Streams live on YouTube and the free Odyssey app as well. All right, Logan, the Giants offense. Simply put, yeah. It's not good, uh, not and it good. starts up front. Um, yeah. They've got some dangerous playmakers, which, uh, you know, that's that's the NFL. But what makes this Giants offense so far this year, knock on wood, do not jinx it, yada, 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 voodoo, ah, now no one can blame me for the announcer jinx. What has made it so <laughs> bad through six games? I mean, I really think the biggest difference between last year and this year when looking at the Giants is – is the offensive line play, right? Quite, quite frankly, like they, I don't want to say they can't do anything, but it's close. Like you watch some of the games, especially against better pass rushing groups like San Francisco, like I felt so bad for Daniel Jones. Like he was getting pressure on, on swing routes. Like, what is that? Like, that's just not a tenable solution in the NFL. So you want to talk about the playmakers, Darren Waller, great football player, one of my favorite in the NFL, right? And he just, again, seems to not be on the same page with um, Daniel Jones, but I think also that's because Daniel Jones' process is so accelerated. Wondell Robinson, I think you said he was hurt, right, Craig? Um, uh, yeah, he was a limited – no, he was a DMP, I beg your pardon, in practice yeah. yesterday. Uh, we taped this just so people know. If you're new to the pod, we taped this on Thursday morning. So Wednesday, he was a DMP in practice. So, again, like a very talented guy. Like one of those guys you say, man, this guy could be an elite slot player. Slayton is kind of that explosive playmaker. Um, Hyatt is an explosive playmaker. You watch the Arizona game. I mean, he's the reason they're back in that game damn near because he's hitting all these explosive plays. Daniel Jones, I mean, you know, they have 18 explosive runs on the season. I think they're 11th in the NFL in explosive runs. They're all half of them are Daniel Jones scrambling. So they do have weapons. I think the problem is they can't access anything down the field. Like they just can't at the moment. Um, so what they do to kind of manage the pass protection is they boot a lot. So like the stuff you saw Atlanta do where they're, you know, they're faking run action one way. They're taking that big looping drop by the quarterback to get him to the perimeter. They're kind of having the field and giving him a three-level throw like that. That's what they did a ton last year with Daniel Jones. And, um, you know, Tyrod Taylor did it a ton against Buffalo. The quarterback can then run. He can throw. It gives them opportunities. They protect that in a different way that's kind of unique to Atlanta. They actually leave a blocker over there. Excuse me. And um, 
and so that's kind of what their offense is. It's it's that because when they try to run the ball, it's been very inefficient, especially against better defensive groups. They just don't stack up in the front very well, and it shows you the importance of having good offensive line play. And you hear analysts like uh, um, what analytics people who you know are very kind of pro skill position you know acquisition in terms of how that insulates the offensive line using this as a data point for saying we have overvalued skill position guys in relation to the offense like this is the case study this is happening right now before our eyes and it's not that they haven't valued offensive line they've invested john michael schmitz the center they've got they Evan did a Neal. bad job with the picks <laughs> yeah you know At least so like, far yeah so i think that and again uh, evan neal is playing better but definitely not up to kind of a competitive standard at right tackle obviously um and, uh, not Mark Andrew, Andrew Thomas is Andrew out. Thomas is tackle. out. He's excellent, but he hasn't been playing. So they're on their yeah. third left tackle. My guy, Justin Pugh, was at Syracuse with him back in the day. <laughs> but again, uh, he's straight off the couch, baby. He's straight off the couch. And they've got both their backup guards in. I think um, McClellan, McClendon, I forget. He's from North Carolina. He played with Sam Howe. I think he's got a lot of potential, but he's still extremely raw and green and is one of the worst graded guards in the NFL. But, I, you know, is going to develop. But again, that's kind of their group. Like Evan Neal is one of the worst graded right tackles in the NFL. Their right guard is the worst graded right guard in the NFL. Their starting center was the guy who was starting at right guard for them and has moved into that spot. Like they have talented pieces, but they're all very young. And I think they can develop. But at this point of the year, they don't. So if I'm Jack, if I'm Ron, if I'm this defensive staff, I'm saying we have to win with our front. We have to, right? Front four. But I'm also to ensure that we do win, I'm making sure I'm bringing a little bit more pressure than I want to because they are so disrupted in that front that it affects everything in the back. End. And I, I know it sounds like we're maybe being hyperbolic here, but when you watch games with them, it's like they cannot function at the base level of offense for the majority of the game because the offensive line's playing so poorly. Yeah, and they're not good. And the guys that are playing, like they're not good probably to begin with. Although if Thomas is out there and everyone's healthy, like maybe it might they're be different. Okay, yes, yes, right. But they're not. They're not good to begin with. They've got guys out, and the guys that are playing are playing hurt. Like yes. it's a bad, bad formula for New York. And as good of an offensive mind as I think both of us think Brian Dable is, and Ken Dorsey, and uh, everyone that they got there. Or no, Kafka. Dorsey is named back in uh, yeah in Buffalo Kafka, like. It's you can't operate this way. You just, you can't live this way in the NFL, and especially because it's also affecting the thing they want to do most, which is be able to run the football with Saquon. Like, not only are they bad in pass pro and can't protect Tyrod Taylor or Daniel Jones, um, they can't run the football either. So, like at that point, what do you do? Do you try to go with the quick game? Do you try to go this? Do you try to do that? It's like that's what they're know. doing. There's no. That's there's no, there's no really good answers for this. That's what they're doing, and I think you're seeing a problem here that, um, that is that is interesting. It's like, yes, those things manage pressure, but at some point, like we've talked about, you need to find an explosive play. You need something to get the defense to like back off you. It's like a fight, and the guy's just wailing on you. At some point, you need to do something. You can't just do head movement the whole time. You're gonna get clocked at some point, right? Like that's essentially what they're doing. It's like smoke and mirrors, screens, you know, like oh, let's get this ball out here. And at some point, the defense are just we're not gonna throw the ball deep, so we're just gonna keep wailing on you. And they have found explosive plays in the pass game. They're ranked 31st in the NFL on explosive pass attempts. I think they have 15 on the year, and it's 
So that's not a good number, right? Nope. Like, not it's good. not it's not good. Not they, great, Bob. They haven't scored an offensive touchdown in the last three games. They have five on the year, which is the worst in the NFL. Like they're it's all there. It's all there. And one of the things about last year's Giants is they were they struggled on the offensive line. They didn't have elite playmakers, but their execution was excellent. And Daniel Jones was excellent at managing games, making good decisions with his legs, keeping them involved in football games in a way that was very, very high. You know, and people wanted to kind of poo on him, but he was doing an excellent job. Even though he didn't have like the kind of passing numbers to support it, his down-to-down decision-making was excellent. That has regressed a little bit, which we probably could have predicted. I think he's thrown more interceptions through six games than he threw all of last season. Again, not entirely on him because when you are – Someone, some, someone used to tell me this as analogy for football players. Like, you, you walk through the door and someone hits you in the face with a two by four. Eventually, you're not going to walk through the door that fast anymore, right? It's just like you get, you've just been beaten down so badly. You're not going to do the basic things correctly. And I think that that is kind of where Daniel Jones is at. And so, you know, he may or may not play. I do think Tyrod Taylor has a little bit more like, like, I don't know how to say this, but like, Forget screw about it. it. Yeah, screw yeah. it. There we go. Kind of mentality and is like running around and kind of doing whatever and he pushes the football down the field a little bit more. There's a ton more variance to his game, ton more risk, but there's also a little bit more of that explosive element that kind of could give them some life. So it's it's a tough situation. For the quarterback that's going to be back there, it's going to be tough. It's a tough position for the offensive skill position players because they are talented. It's just they can't facilitate getting them the ball. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You hinted at this earlier, um, but I want to circle back on it and, and underline it here. You said you would blitz a little bit more than you want to. I tend to agree with that. That like It's really easy to look at this O-line and be like, we should be able to kill them with right. four. But I like the philosophy of let's make sure we kill them. Because yes. the other part of this is, is like you don't really trust the quarterback, either one of them, to like consistently beat you, yeah. especially if they're under pressure. So I would definitely, whether some of it's simulated, some of it's actual pressure, like you can mix it up, but I would definitely be bringing some random people and and just making just, sure that the brain of whatever quarterback is back there is scrambled eggs because they are, uh, they're having to figure out before every snap, is this guy coming? Is that guy coming? Like you, it, as good as the one-on-one matchups are, uh, if you don't have to think about it as a quarterback, that's one, obviously it's one less thing to worry about. I would make them worry about that. And I would make them worry about them that consistently, even if a lot of it winds up being simulated. And it's not even, it's not even just the quarterback. It's the offensive line. Like there, there's a, there's a beautiful thing about being in a rhythm and knowing what a defense is doing. Cause I can set in a specific way. I know where my help's coming, but now all of a sudden before the snap, it's like, Oh wait, we've got, Oh, it looks like they're going to be an overload. We got to make a loot call. Oh, he's going to back out. No, that's actually a um, like a three man slide instead of a four man slide, and it just changes the mechanics in the down as the ball is getting snapped. And I think you can you can give it advantages because if I'm thinking a lot 
I'm a little bit slower and I'm a little bit less effective with my set and my physical execution. So I think as much as people, yes, if we just said line up our five versus their five, you know, like getting Cinco, line up and let it, let it rip, we'd win some one-on-ones. But I want to make sure that those one-on-ones are easier to win. So I'm not saying blitz all the time. I'm not saying pull a wink Martindale, but I'm saying do enough to make those guys be like, man, I don't, I, I didn't see that guy. You know, I, I missed that protection. Yeah. I missed that. Well, call. and also I'm glad you mentioned Cinco. That's another way you can do it without having to do anything really that fancy is like, if you mix up your four and your five man fronts and like you make them adjust down in and down out to alignments and who's on the field. Do we got four, do we have five, do we have three down? Like, you know, sometimes Chase and Montez are standing. Like even that might be enough to like make them really think about where people are coming from and, and, you know, obviously also it makes your run game more difficult, right? Like if, yeah. if all of a sudden Tyrod or, or DJ has to think as a quarterback of where am I targeting this run, like make rundowns hard. And by the right. way, don't give up explosive plays to Saquon. That is the best way to lose this game is to let Saquon go nuts. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think that's in that on top of the blitz stuff um, and bringing linebackers and bringing DBs is, is probably a smart play. Yeah, 100%. Even just switching out, like you mentioned, Cinco, like even just getting into dime or nickel, like I know that sounds like super basic, but when you've got a whole bunch of new guys working together, especially young guys, like one of the I things... the Giants you, O-line having yes, young guys working yes, together. Yeah, yeah, Giants. Like one of the things you run into is like, who who's the linebacker in this look? And because we, in certain protections as the offensive line and blocking surface, I was a part of that, fullbacks, tight uh, running backs. It's like we are counting. We are accounting for specific numbers sometimes and specific per, uh, personnel groupings. So it's like, is thirty-one a linebacker in this look? Oh no, it's he's actually the the safety because twenty-two is on the field or twenty is on the field. So he's actually the linebacker. So even just doing stuff like that can cause a little bit of consternation. I'm really glad you brought up the Saquon thing because you made me think about this from last year. One of the things they did an excellent job of last year that they haven't done a good a, a good as job this year. And again, Saquon's been hurt a little bit with the ankle is they found creative ways to get him touches. I think they identified like he's our most explosive playmaker. Let's find ways that are a little bit unconventional to get him the ball to loosen up the coverage structures that in, in a way that we don't have to push the football down the field. Like I remember last year in the game in London they had, like they lined him up in the Wildcat and he had like a 70-yard run. And that's they found explosives like that, and I think they've gotten away from that a little bit. And if they and if Saquon's healthy, if he's feeling good, to your point, Craig, like don't let them utilize him in that way to kind of be that moving chess piece, because then that opens up Darren Waller, then that opens up Hyatt, then that opens up some of the other stuff we've been talking about, and then all of a sudden this game from a Giants perspective looks more much more advantageous if we can just manufacture six five explosives in this game right right all right anything else from either side of the ball uh to add to this uh preview uh, podcast i think that's it i think uh, the offensively handle the pressure dexter lawrence bobby okarake right because i keep wanting to Correct. call him okariki but okarake and then um those are the big things off defensively offensively it's can you create pressure and limit their ability to sneak a big play because they do have explosive playmakers. It's just about doing your job in context and in conjunction with the rush. And I think that is really what this game comes down to. Yeah. Um, the do your job thing works a lot better when you got more talent, uh, you do your job, you should win. And, yeah. uh, that's hopefully what we'll see 
on Sunday. If somehow that was not enough, and I mean, really, honestly, who can get enough of this analysis? We got three <laughs> hours to talk about it on Sunday. We'll see you guys then for the Take Command pregame show. Postgame should be back uh, roughly 90-ish minutes after the end of the game as well. So the Take Command postgame show will be live on YouTube at 1067 The Fan and at the team 980 then for logan i'm craig make sure you're subscribed if you have not done that like this video if you're watching it on youtube as well and we'll see you sunday for the pregame show uh here on take